0: on this week's episode of the we've seen that podcast we watched moonrise kingdom i'm anthony and i'm jim the music we are back the 31st episode of the we've seen that podcast um a little different tone movie this week jim (laughs) than the one we watched last week that's for sure seems to be a little bit outside of our wheelhouse to say the least i'd say so i mean i we have definitely not watched a movie quite like this the first wes anderson film of the pod and i could definitely tell it was his signature touch um a little odd and quirky but we'll get into that for the The meat of the episode. Um, First, I guess we'll kind of jump into what we're watching. Uh, Me, no movies this week, unfortunately. It was a little hectic, and then I had Scott's, you know, wedding shower yesterday, and hung out with him Friday. So it was a little. We did have a Scott sighting, at least. You know, he does exist he does exist um but he's been busier in hell so we'll give him a benefit of the doubt uh so yeah no movies this week we'll talk about kind of falcon and winter soldier but it looks like jim you kind of continued on to what you talked about a little bit i think once already haven't you yeah i did discuss
1: community as well and unfortunately angie and i have been binging that really hard so i didn't watch any real movies other than the one for the pod this week um But we've gotten to season four, which is when their creator, Dan Harmon, either got kind of like run off the show by the studio, I believe, um, or left it for some reason. And my God, you can tell within two episodes at the beginning of this season that it stinks. He was the creative power, and he was what made it funny. And I believe they get him back for season five or six. I thought it was only five seasons, but it it takes... There's an improvement later on. you know. And they started in this season an art like... a trend they're trying to say like they should get six seasons in a movie i think they got six seasons but they never ended up getting the community movie so i'm there for it if dan Harmon is back to write and produce it you know i think he was the real creative juices behind the show
0: yeah never a good look like when like the lead director or something gets you know fired or let go from a project we see it all the time in the movie industry specifically like you always hear about directors either leaving because of you know, differences in creative ideas and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, that usually never spells good news for the release. Right. Um, well, it's like the
1: the Flash movie for DC has had like four different writers. And it, it's it been being worked on for like 10 years or something ridiculous. You know, it, it tells me right here, even before they've started really doing anything, that this movie is probably going to suck because it's
0: pieces of like a whole bunch of different people's ideas. Right. And... You know, we saw it with even, um, you know, the new Zack Snyder release, Justice League, like that movie was widely renowned as pretty garbage when it first came out, mm-hmm. you know, at least most people's size. Um And with his release on HBO Max, pretty much to commercial acclaim, you know, it's a little bloated, you know, it's long and there's a kind of a lot of filling stuff that probably isn't necessary, but at least... Like when it's broken down, it's a lot more raw and you know, at least a lot more entertaining. So, you know, when you have multiple directors you finishing things and, you know, writers changing things, it usually never means good news. So I'm not surprised that with like the head guy leaving a show in the middle of its run, it might cause some problems. Yeah. For...
1: Well, and it seems like on concept. on uh, Justice League, like, Joss Whedon apparently seems to be like he was kind of a shithead to everybody when he was working on that movie. Uh, right. Colossal asshole, like, threatening people's careers, you know, actively. I, I don't want to say he was actively trying to make the movie bad, but that's almost the way the stories that people are uh, posting are coming off, is that for whatever reason, he was uninterested in trying to make this movie in any way similar to what Snyder had already started. He wanted it to be his own movie from
0: the jump. Right. Yeah, and that's just that's just too much I think to do once you're so far along. I can't imagine. It's a freaking Hollywood blockbuster movie. Like how much money have they already poured into it and then just mm, how much more is spent on trying to like rewrite and reshoot like yeah, it to me it's almost impossible for a film to come out initially then and be like good i think there's probably a few instances where that happened but it's very rare yeah yeah i think the odds are slim right but anyways do we want to get into marvel talk i suppose we will we're finally all caught up for the people out at home um it's definitely picked up a little bit i think at least in my opinion these last two episodes i thought were pretty good yeah four and five were the absolute best episodes um
1: I was not a big fan of episodes one through three. As I've stated, I thought they were boring and kind of a little pointless without the heart of WandaVision. I still don't think it has very much heart, but like episodes four and five were very solid seven or eight out of 10, I think. Um, Let's start with episode four because the end of that episode was fucking wild. Um, So Carly, our main antagonist, has apparently a whole bunch of extra vials of the Super Soldier Serum. Say that ten times fast. Um, She drops them, and Zemo smashes a bunch of them, like, because he doesn't want them to be used for whatever reason. But he misses one, and Captain America grabs it, puts it in his pocket, takes it with him. Uh, Carly, eventually in a fight later on, kicks in the chest up against a like stone column lamar captain america's like right hand man and kills him so one of carly's associates goes running out of the building captain america follows him and accuses him of killing lamar and proceeds to literally take his head off with the edge (laughs) of the captain America shield
0: yeah brutal brutal like It's at this point we've kind of gotten the hint, too, that he had taken that vial that he picked up. Yeah. Because we kind of get that, you know, interesting little scene before Lamar dies when they're kind of sitting there talking to each other. And he asks him if he would have taken the serum if he had the chance. And he said, absolutely. And I kind of think maybe gave him the only bit of justification he needed to try to do it and he had just got his ass kicked like the scene before too right so you can't really hang with these you know quote-unquote super soldiers and i think that hurt his ego quite a bit in my mind i actually like to read that scene a little bit differently
1: i read it as he's already taken the serum and now he's looking for you know acceptance by lamar and i think that makes him much more evil than if he's Allowing Lamar to convince him to take it later, right? Oh, that that actually—if they would have revealed that he had already taken
0: it—I would have really been pleased. Yeah, I I I agree. I could definitely see that too. I mean, he—it's so weird. Like this season, you know, more in episode five, but it's definitely tackling you know much. Like you said, maybe not the heart of Wandavision, but it's definitely like tackling like you know issues on like specifically race will we might get into that a little bit But i thought that was the driving force of episode five and Absolutely. then like um i guess like moral or like morals you know yeah like it's it's the right and at wrong at what decisions. point do you cross yeah. a line
1: in trying to quote unquote right. protect people you know
0: exactly so maybe for what the show lacks in heart i think they do a really good job in maybe like tackling kind of like quote unquote real world issues you know I think they've done a pretty decent job at, like, you know, towing the line on where, you know, people make decisions. I thought they'd done a good job, but... Right, and yes, yeah, episode... Ap- oh, go ahead. No, I was going to just basically lean into that. So, yeah, Cap kills a guy in front of everybody. And like, it's on cameras and, everyone's camera phone, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a good look for the new Captain America. Yeah, the optics
1: are really bad.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: gosh. Um, so, well, like, the way you're talking about the morality of, like and what people are willing to do and what lines they're willing to cross to save people, in their opinion. You can look at it from multiple angles here, too. Not so much from uh, Sam and Bucky's angle, because they they seem to be the neutral good people for the most part. Um, but Captain America is trying to do whatever he can to protect people, and he's pushing it too far, obviously. Right. But then there's Carly, who her and her friends the other super soldiers were displaced once the other you know three and a half billion people randomly reappeared right so places where they had gone to as refugees or whatever suddenly kicked them out and everyone wants to go back to enforcing like uh country borders and so on so it's a big right. talk about like what should be done about refugees and she's taking it to the extreme of like if we destroy enough, things or institutions that the borders will fall and people can go back to just being able to go where they want to go and i i think generally most people think that that's probably not the best way to go about it but she doesn't trust institutions because of people like captain america and like when was it in episode five when sam went to talk to her one-on-one no it was in episode four
0: i think still four yep
1: yeah and then captain america busts in even though they had agreed for him to wait until after sam had talked to her you know so then she loses all trust and she's just going on the war path now you
0: know right and it's tough to like you know totally call her you know she's she is killing people you know when she's blowing things up so that's definitely not good but like she's you know again it's like towing the line like she's doing truly what she thinks is right and she has a big enough following also from like the general public too from what we've seen that like you know a lot of people share her beliefs you know it's just like how far are you willing to go you know kind of so yeah i think you know what we talked about they've done a really good job of kind of like you know portraying that those decisions on screen so Like I said, yeah, maybe just not the heart and fun, you know? Yeah, it's certainly not a fun show. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but a little more grounded in in reality, I think. And I, yeah, I don't know. I think these last two episodes, yeah, have picked up, you know, quite nicely. They're the best Uh, of
1: the series by far. Yeah. So jumping in... Oh, oh, go go ahead.
0: ahead. Uh, I was just going to say jumping into five, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So in five, we don't we start with a captain America, Bucky Falcon fight immediately after he takes the guy's right head off. off.
0: Yeah. He runs for a while and then they catch up with him like, yeah, in a warehouse. And they're trying to like take the shield. Cause they know he's going to be basically like let go from that symbol. Essentially.
1: Right. So they take the shield and actually in this process, Sam is wearing his Falcon wings. Uh, captain america actually tears the wings off of the main housing so that they're, they're fucked um, yeah and bucky and sam eventually do take the shield breaking uh captain america's arm in the process even though he is a super soldier right um one
0: He's... oh go ahead no i was just like yeah he they and i get it sam's you know, not, he's basically just a guy with, with good fighting skills and, you know, like a powered up suit. But they got their, like, ass kicked for a while. I know. Right. <laughs>
1: and I guess they mentioned at some point that Winter Soldier or Bucky, um, he apparently had Super Soldier Serum in him at some point, and I had I didn't know that. I thought the only thing special about him was Russian sleeper agent training and a metal
0: arm. Right. No, he gets that, yeah, put in him kind of back. It's when the around Russians the time, were, like, or not well, the Russians, I think but Hydra was, like, you know, Around the time it. Steve, you know, Steve got it way back in the day. And then, you know, Bucky wasn't too long after when he then was taken, yeah, for, like, the sleeper agent, you know, training. But
1: Yeah, so everything we know, like, that says that Captain America, original Captain America, Steve Rogers, was the only super soldier is basically wildly wrong. Because we come to find out that this... um is his name Isaiah Bradley, I believe. Yep. Um who was a a super sol- African-American super soldier in Vietnam, I believe. Um who was subsequently we find out imprisoned and experimented on trying to recreate the super soldier serum because they gave it to a bunch of people in Vietnam. And yeah, he was in jail for like 30 years before a nurse apparently took pity on him and declared him dead. So he's like living off the grid and right uh w- well once sam gets the shield he tries to give it to isaiah which i thought was interesting because isaiah then basically came out and said that that symbol stands for everything that's oppressed african-americans for 500 years and no self-respecting black man would wear that symbol
0: yeah yeah I thought the scene was actually really good, and the acting was like phenomenal, yeah, it Anthony was it was great, but the guy that plays which I don't have his name unfortunately, I've seen him in a couple other he's an older actor, um and I've seen him maybe in just a few passing things I could never probably pinpoint one in particular, but he was amazing telling the story and like about how he you know lost the woman he loved when he spent like yeah thirty years in jail, like you said, for just essentially nothing, you know because they would never want his story to come out you know and it's carl Lumley,
1: or Lumley. Okay. i'm not 100 percent sure how to um pronounce it but the most recent thing i've seen him in he plays uh dick halloran in doctor sleep
0: one of the other guys who has oh, the shining yeah. power yep that's very that's very familiar because i doctor sleep was that was a good movie it's Long, such a but... great fucking movie yeah Yeah, that's where I've seen him before, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it was, that was a powerful scene, for sure, and, yeah, I just thought it was interesting then how they, like, you know, they would never allow a black man to be Captain America, and then he basically said if they did, no, no, like, proud... No self-respecting black man would do it, yeah. Would do it. So that puts, like, Sam in a tough choice, you know, because he, we kind of then get to see later on how he's practicing with the shield, like, you know, he... Maybe he wants it. What's in the box, Jim? You know, a little callback yeah. to Seven.
1: What's Bucky brings box? um this this box from Wakanda, and we don't know what's in it.
0: And you don't get shown it. And I was so pissed. And he looks surprised. I, You know, the uh, my obvious choice would maybe be it's like a new Captain suit, Captain America suit, versus new wings. And that's why he, they're kind of leaving you a cliffhanger. But that, to me, that would almost be too obvious.
1: Right. I but... Know why why would that specifically need to come from the wakandans right vibranium is a metal you know so it's like trying to make uh, a suit out of it would maybe be too clunky
0: i guess well if you recall um they made that suit for uh black panther that's a good um, point and he obviously and had that... full
1: range of movement
0: Right, and that was a cool suit that, like, absorbed energy every time he got hit, and then he could, like, use it to... So maybe, I don't know, they made just some sort of, like, Captain America version of that suit. I don't know. We'll see. I I just feel like a Captain suit would be too obvious, but who knows? Maybe
1: it's a new Falcon suit. Maybe, or just maybe that, the yeah. universe is going to retire the mantra of um, Captain America, right. which I think would be, in my mind, that's the way to go bring a new hero to the forefront instead of taking Falcon, who's a good hero in his own right and shoving him under Captain America. Right. Um, other things we got to talk about are um, the guy who's Captain America, John something Walker. Yeah. John Walker, Johnny Walker. Yeah. Cause it's the Scotch <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, he gets stripped of his rank. Dishon- well, they say other than honorable discharge. Um, but then he goes to talk to Lamar's parents and totally says, like, "Um, I hunted down the specific person that killed him. Like, it, I got the person, you know, even though he's telling this story, even though he knows that Carly is the guy, go- the person who right. killed Lamar.
0: Um, I think that's just him trying to cope with it or cover his own ass yeah. a little bit. You know, probably a combination of the two, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Shortly after he gets discharged, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus shows up
0: um out of nowhere i was like i couldn't even tell it was her right away and then like the camera angle changed to more like straight on i was like holy shit it's elaine (laughs) like what the fuck yeah
1: she's like contessa de la fontaine or something like that i looked her up and uh her character also has an alias called madame hydra so i mean it feels pretty on the nose that she's trying to recruit him as a hydra agent to one degree or another
0: gotcha yeah i knew you'd come with some information on her i was too i, was I had to too, google it i had never heard yeah. of her before i was like this is because i because there's only one episode left now right right so they, they got God, ground to cover here for sure yeah i mean this show leads me to believe there definitely could be i mean there probably will be more seasons versus like wandavision i mean the way it ended was kind of open-ended but you know it was so it was so different and, like, quirky that, I don't know, like, a second season might just be a little... Well, and by the end much, of the
1: you know. season of WandaVision, they had left behind their shtick of, like, a different decade of TV each right. episode, right? It was all just modern by the end, which I thought was fine, Um, as her, like, grasp on the fake reality kind of wavered, you know? So that was totally fine right. with me. Um I think the last thing we want to talk about here is... um the, the post credit scene, probably,
0: right? Um, did you not know there was a post credit scene? Well, I did my typical fast forward, and it must not have been much, because I thought I didn't know. Was it something with a shield being like hammered or yeah, something? Yeah, that was the one. So,
1: okay. Johnny Walker is hammering together regular metal pieces of a shield and painting it up. So, okay. even though he's been told by the government he's no longer Captain
0: America, he clearly hasn't accepted that right yeah well you gotta figure it's gonna be less effective it's not vibranium come on
1: right and oh one thing
0: that i think could be super but he is a super but he is a super soldier now too so
1: that's a good point so that could help and not need the regular shield i feel like they've taken the shield and it's the fact that it's vibranium doesn't quite seem to matter anymore about how it absorbs all this energy it seems to just be a regular metal shield and not be that special you know, right. I, they haven't really showcased those special properties of it lately.
0: Other than, like, it's just kind of like a freaking boomerang, I guess. It just comes right back to you. Yeah, no matter how, how you how throw it, physics... it always bounces yeah, no, back. <laughs> you know how the physics of this work. But then one time it just sticks in a tree? I don't get it. Yeah, and I guess, like, we have... I, I think it was
1: specifically at the beginning of um, Age of Ultron. They're attacking like a base in the mountains of sokovia or something the avengers are and i seem to remember specifically uh steve rogers bouncing it off of trees so maybe it's maybe they got to figure out the angle of impact or some shit how
0: hard you you got to know exactly how hard to throw it or something yeah
1: but i don't know (laughs) one possible prediction that i think is 1000 percent not going to happen but would make me shit my pants is if what's in the box that winter soldier brought if uh bucky explains yeah the uh the wakandans found a new type of metal this is called adamantium and oh god oh my god how
0: cool would that be (laughs) that would be ridiculous that'd be (laughs) one way to shoehorn them in for sure or at least a little specifically logan right but
1: i i don't think they could touch wolverine i i think they they would ruin it by trying to do it but also i want to see him try
0: do you think this is the last we've seen of Zemo, at least for this season, as the Wakandans took him away? For this season, absolutely.
1: I, I bet he pops back up, maybe in Black Panther 2, as a possible villain. Um, it, And yeah, I guess I'm not 100% sure where he's going to go. But he kind of became an, not a villain, but an anti-hero by the end of this. He was working with yeah. Sam and Bucky.
0: I yeah, I don't know what really happened. Their conversation at the end, I kind of... I'll admit I was, like, looking at something else on my phone, so I kind of missed what what they said to each other um, when Bucky found him. But, I don't know, I guess he basically was going to try to prove that he would kill him, but Bucky was, like, didn't, took the bullets out of the gun or something, you know?
1: Yeah, and then um, um, Zemo says to him, I've taken the liberty of crossing my name off your list of people that Bucky needs to make amends to. Um, so, that's basically Zemo saying he forgives him for whatever bucky did to wrong him but i i don't quite get that because bucky yeah, didn't I really, really wrong him in my mind Zemo
0: should probably yeah i don't know it's and then it's the dora milage show up and take
1: him away so yep. he's going back to wakanda it's just a quest no they said they were going to take him to the raft that prison so never mind he's not going to wakanda yeah okay so, so doubtful gonna show up in black panther 2 i take that back we'll, prob-
0: we'll probably get yelled at again via text on all the things we got yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, so we, we have to issue a correction, because Adam
1: was <laughs> shitting on me hardcore. Um, Zemo is not the same guy who experimented on Wanda and Pietro, so my apologies, I was wrong. Um, if you want to correct us, send us an email or a strongly
0: worded text message, and you'll get mentioned on the show. Yeah, you'll get a free shout-out. We're always looking for help. Never saying I'm perfect, Jim. I will always... You know, never agree to know everything because I'm sure I will mess something up, even on this show.
1: Yeah, I mean, Anthony and I are definitely far from perfect. Scott has a higher opinion of himself, but that's why we love yeah, him.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, Scott gives everything a 10. It only comes <laughs> from that sort of mentality, I think, so I'll give him that. <laughs> uh, well... all righty jim one of my favorite segments of the show i mean we only have three so i suppose i should give them all equal love but...
1: <laughs> maybe i'll write trivia for next week when scott's back that'd be a good Ooh. because we haven't we haven't done trivia in a hot minute or like a bracket or something so i'll try and come up with something
0: yeah that'll be fun especially with his you know alleged return we're kind of spoiling it so scott if you oh, have oopsies. some sort of yeah if you have some sort of magnificent intro coming too bad we we <laughs> already um but yeah no a couple really interesting things here on the hype horn uh, a couple of trailers jim let's start with that first one looks fucking awesome actually. oh my god
1: the army of the dead trailer came out like the full trailer i fucking love it normally i'm not a big uh dave batista fan i think he's gonna be perfect for this movie though i'm high on Zack snyder after uh justice league i can't fucking wait for this movie it just looks like stupid dumb as fuck zombie action and
0: i love it <laughs> but like with a twist like the zombies have like established some sort of like culture and like hierarchy there's like different ones and they can like coordinate and plan and they're like smarter i don't know it looks interesting. and i'm a big fan of
1: fast zombies like slow meandering zombies stupid
0: Right, yeah, that's always like I thought it would have been cool if like The Walking Dead would have like introduced like a uh, ev like they were like evolving almost some right. You know, I thought that would have just added a little juice to that show.
1: Well, and it was it, wasn't it even in season one where like Rick ends up very shortly after he gets out of the hospital, he's holding up with this african-american family i forget the character names because i don't think they survive well it's um but it's like the the morgan. wife is a
0: zombie right and morgan actually comes back and he plays a pretty big role in some oh does stuff. he I, th- I think so yeah he's the dad i um, never
1: got to that portion so okay that's interesting
0: he, yeah and he's a big part in the fear the walking dead he eventually comes back into that show too they kind of do like a crossover episode yeah, for, yeah. for him yeah so, okay,
1: well, that's good to know. But also, his wife, who is a zombie, like yeah. each night comes to their door and tries to open the door via the doorknob. So, like, they they right, imply that, that they have some sort of memory. But it, if what you're saying is true, and they don't really revisit that, like, I think that's one yeah, of the more think, interesting things about it.
0: I think that just like I kind of forgot all about that, but that just it's creepier. But that just made it, yeah. That kind of like backed themselves into a corner because then you're like implying that they have some sort of like remembrance but yet at the same time none so i don't know and they they never kind of touch on that that the zombies like walk to the same place over, and over yeah you yeah know. but anyway uh, we're not talking about the Walking dead about <laughs> 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 we'll the check but yes no that trailer looks fucking awesome and it looks like it's gonna be a netflix release right yep this is a netflix yeah. original oh i should have gotten a release date why don't you vamp for a second while i do a quick google <laughs> too yeah um no, but it looks very. It's like it definitely is like a heist movie too. They're supposed to like go into the Bellagio or something because Vegas has been like overrun, and they're supposed to go underneath into the safe and get like all the money out, and they get like some sort of percentage of it. Yeah, if they, they get excited. Yeah. So, so and I guess it comes out on May 14
1: on Netflix, so not too far off, which has me excited. Yeah. Um But I, my real question that I want answered is do the people know like the rest of the country know that las vegas is overrun by zombies and then like there's like a wall up so they can't get out it seems
0: right that's kind of the vibe i got it's like because they these like soldiers that are recruited you know we get glimpses of them like doing everyday things and then they're just kind of like hey we got a job for you so it's like yeah ours has it just been isolated to the spot and they've kind of contained it you know, or who knows? And that's and what like, I thought it was, but... Yeah, that's what it looks like. And, like, the world's just kind of accepted the fact that Vegas is just overrun with zombies. I don't know.
1: Right. <laughs> one where... of my favorite things was we saw a zombie Elvis impersonator, and I
0: fucking loved it. I think that was a callback to... Because I believe Zack Snyder directed Dawn of the Dead. He did. The one in the mall. And the guy that sits on the rooftop and, like, shoots celebrity lookalikes... Mm -hmm. so i think he might have just done a little a little nod to himself there but but that's that's funny yeah i noticed that in the trailer too i was like huh i giggled but yeah no it looks very very entertaining that's for sure much like
1: this the next trailer (laughs) so fast and the furious released um another trailer for episode nine uh, episode movie nine and holy shit this is getting off the rails they are fucking going to space my man
0: they really are they really are doing it i wonder how like far into space well who knows maybe the trailer just didn't show as much as which i would appreciate you know they left a lot out um but yeah we see we just see tyrese and um gosh ludicrous character i can't think of it yeah name i can't remember bit, his but... name either he's just ludicrous yeah just flying in some sort of like jet car thing <laughs> like it's, it's like space. a rigged up pontiac i was reading <laughs> online okay yeah yeah this movie I, looks completely
1: off the rails for sure i i there's got to be a point where like being so off the rails isn't fun anymore and i guess we'll have to wait and see I think I have to see this one just because of the spectacle, but yeah. what even more interesting than than the trailer, because lots of the footage was also used in the first trailer, um, director Justin Lin apparently has come out in an interview and says that he sees Fast and Furious 9 as part part one of a trilogy that will end the main series, so it'll end on Fast and Furious 12. And I say, I don't fucking believe that Universal will ever end this franchise. (laughs)
0: I'll believe it when I see it, because to think about where it started, like, I have a group of friends that adore, like, this franchise, but only up until, like, the the fourth one. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's funny, because, like, Fast Five is, like, considered one of, like, the best action movies in the last, like, ten years, you know, where they're driving through Rio, dragging a safe around and shit like that, like, but, you know, I can... I'm almost more on the sentimental side of like just the homegrown street races and trying to like steal steal parts and oil and just keeping like the shop running like and now they're just like they just are hired by like the US government to just run covert options. Like, come on. <laughs> like I don't yeah. I, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I the the movie was never quite well, I the first movie I would say is very believable, right? They're heisting yeah. stuff off of a semi stealing what at the time was like decent tech they were like dvd vcr combo packs and shitty boob tube tvs and here we are going to fucking space and i miss the street racing like that's what i
0: actually cared about and that's the thing is they always try to like They always throw, like, one obligatory scene in, like, all these movies now of, like, Dom going off on his own to, like, do a random street race just to, like, win two cars for the heist, like, or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I... The
1: the fact of the matter is they could not have done nine street racing movies. They couldn't have done it. People wouldn't watch them, you know? So I get that,
0: but... That's the thing, is, like, they have to keep, like, pushing the envelope, like, outdoing the last movie, you know, and they just keep... These movies are, like, arguably the most popular, you know, along with the Marvel Universe. They make so much money, especially, like, Yeah, they're certainly one of the biggest franchises. Yeah, like, so it's, it's dumb to stop. Like, from a business standpoint, I get it. So, like, you know, unfortunately, fans of, like, the original one through maybe three or four, you know, it's like you kind of have to just be along for the ride, unfortunately. Right. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so moving on, I see you got here Mad Mickelson has been cast for some role in the next Indiana Jones movie with 90-year-old Harrison Ford.
1: Yeah, Um. <laughs> so I'm just putting it out there. I'm willing to take any bets right now. He-
0: he's going to be the fucking villain yeah and i like him i like him as an actor i think he's, I think great. he's great so i mean i can only help the movie that but he's gonna be the villain should or <laughs> undisclosed shouldn't. role yeah pass. right yeah should or shouldn't be made we've discussed on whether or not we think indiana jones needs another movie or harrison ford needs to be this role again i don't know they're
1: cobbling together a great cast i mean other than maybe the fact that harrison ford is a
0: geriatric you know yeah right as long as he doesn't fly any planes before then and crashes again let's just avoid let's just avoid all of that and maybe we'll get through another shooting of this movie um who knows i'm sure i'll see it when it comes out give him my money you know the real news will be if shia labeouf comes back as his
1: kid (laughs) right and there's been no announcement about that my assumption is it's not happening because shia is in all sorts of amounts of hot water um but you know that that's the real question because that was the huge quasi
0: reveal at the end of crystal skull yeah and that was that was the last one they made right right yeah that was four yeah so i actually that movie
1: doesn't exist i try and forget it
0: I think you're, you and a lot of people try to forget about that movie. I think. They remastered
1: those movies on 4K, and I kind of have been refusing to buy the box set because it has. Crystal it Skull with it. the fourth one. Yeah, it's I like, just, just don't do fucking original, want it.
0: Do the original trilogy and just call it good. Like, Let's just forget that one. I don't know. <sighs> we'll see. <laughs> Here is, bit is some of no, really yeah. timely news. Yeah, tell me about this, Jim.
1: I did not see this. So, the original writers for Predator are apparently suing Disney. After 35 years, apparently, like, rights to a creative work expire to one degree or another. So, Fox had purchased the rights to Predator and had been making movies. Disney bought Fox, so now the writers are suing Disney, right? Because 35 years is up, 1986-ish to 2021. Um, And apparently, Disney is stonewalling and trying to block this um or and obviously they have great lawyers who are trying to defend and keep their copyright to the movies but the original writers want to make a new movie which
0: i am 100 percent down for and i hope disney loses this lawsuit yeah because they've proven you know whether or not they make money i don't even know if they do i haven't looked at box office results of the last few they have not been that great at least this last one was just piss poor oh my god it was trash
1: but also predators i believe was the second one right also
0: trash yeah, so Predator Two with Danny Glover, where like a predator is like killing yeah out in L.A. In, in L.A. That one's that one was probably the second best one because then everything except for maybe A.V.P., which we've talked about. We'll do an A.V.P. episode, Jim. We have
1: to. Yeah, yeah,
0: I like that movie, but yeah, Predators where they like get hunted on a planet by a bunch of predators. That movie. I don't know. It's not that great. It's not. It's. I'd probably be like a five out of ten on it ish. But yeah, this last installment, which we t- we already did all this last week, but it was directed by Shane Black, who was in the first movie. I was so hyped, and it was just it was just garbage. Major letdown. Just terrible. Like I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe there's some hope that they want to like you know are re inspired and try to like make a new a new movie if they get the rights back, but. Yeah. You know, was,
1: Regardless e- e- even if Fox is going to make a new Predator movie, I'm probably in theaters for this one just because I really just love this franchise. I don't to to most degrees I don't care if it's really shitty. I just enjoy these.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it's definitely a money maker, you know, the Predator as a creature and franchise is you can definitely make some money on it. Like it's like we talked about, it's been going on for the last 35 years. And I owe it all to Arnold in the first movie. <laughs> My favorite. Uh, anyway, okay, so yes.
1: Big last piece of hype here. I tried to do this as like a little valley, right? We started high, got a little bit low, and now this is a big piece of hype. Uh, Tom Holland supposedly is full of shit. Uh, Alfred Molina, <laughs> who played Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2... Uh, has come out and confirmed that he's returning for um, the next Spider-Man MCU movie. Uh, The director was apparently talking with him, and this is as as regurgitated by Alfred Molina, and said that in this universe, no one really dies. So Alfred Molina, who played Doc Ock, is being brought back right after Doc Ock drowned at the end of Spider-Man 2. In order to make the timeline work, Alfred Molina will be de-aged by about 20 years, because that's damn near how old uh spider-man 2 is at this point
0: right i'm totally pumped i kind of saw rumors that the actor was confirmed as returning in this role so like yeah you have to just assume at this point like they're going multiverse we're gonna see multiple spideys and i'm gonna be so fucking pumped or let down entirely i don't know i'll just leave myself a little bit of leeway to be let down and but yeah like the way they said it too about how you know sam raimi's directing dr strange 2 which is going to open up him to have his own like version of spider-man 4 which he never quite got you know and make his own universe tied in movie with with Tobey Maguire, yeah, we're just, we're gonna get it. We're gonna see multiple Spideys, and I'm all the way in. <laughs> yeah, the the biggest thing here is, like, that
1: Alfred Molina either, like, major spoiled here and probably said things he wasn't supposed to, um, but the biggest thing is, like, that Tom Holland had come out and said, hey, no, th- there's no other Spider-Man in this movie, and I don't believe him. I believe him <laughs> so much less than I ever
0: have. <laughs> right? Like... Because he got in trouble for spoiling some things about the Avengers. So I think he's just, you know, a little overdoing it in the opposite direction now this time. A little well, and I, I
1: think it's that direction
0: of, like, MCU, you know,
1: yeah, and, and the studio. They're, they're like, hey, we need you to do damage control because people know too much.
0: Which part of it, too, you know, I love the the day and age we live in where everything's at our fingertips. But at the same time, it's like, how fucking insane would this be? Like... 10, 15 years ago, and they pulled this off where no one knew it was coming. Like, no leaks, right. no fucking internet, or, like, you know, an internet to not the standard it is now where everyone knows where to look and stuff like, like, if you could imagine just rolling into the theater for Spider-Man 3, Tom Holland, and you're just, like, sitting there watching, you're like, holy fuck, like, there's, it's like, Toby. yeah, <laughs> like, I, it would be the greatest story ever, but now it's just what, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and you have to leave it up to yourself to not look for spoilers but it's just thrown in your face all the time like you can't avoid it it's just i don't know yeah
1: i i don't know i i I want to live in the world where nothing ever gets spoiled in terms of like reveals like this but also this is probably this news is what's going to get me in the theater for this you know because otherwise i probably wouldn't go see the new spider-man
0: yeah, that's, I guess, if it's where you stand, too, yeah, like, if you're not, I know Spider-Man, if you're not the hugest fan, yeah, you might not even want to go check it out, at least in theaters, you might wait a little bit, but, yeah, I don't know, I'm all in, I love it, it'd be so huge to see all those guys back in action, um, alrighty, so now we're moving on to the review of Moonrise Kingdom, uh, directed by Wes Anderson, um, Jim, why don't you tell us a little about this movie, according to the database, Alrighty, so this movie originally came out in 2012. As you mentioned, it was
1: directed by Wes Anderson, also written by Wes Anderson with the help of Roman Coppola, starring Jared Gilman, Cara Hayward, Bruce Willis, and Bill Murray. Um, A pair of young lovers flee their New England town, which causes a local search party to fan out to find them. It's currently available to stream on prime. And one thing we were talking about that we wanted to mention is it is so underrated that when you pause a movie on prime, it tells you who the actors are on screen. That's amazing. It's so helpful. And other streaming services that are listening in because we know you're listening add that.
0: It's, it's a nice little touch for sure, especially in this line of work, you know, when you're trying to take some notes and you got to pause and you're like, holy shit, that's the characters on the screen at this moment. I, it's completely helpful. I agree. Um, But anyway, yeah, this is an odd movie, Jim. I don't know if we want to talk a little bit about just how quirky it was off the top. A little different than what we've kind of tackled here, at least lately, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. And we'll get deeper into this as well. But, like, say the first 45 minutes is, to me, is mostly just setting the mood. There's not a terrible amount of plot. And then a lot happens in the last 45 minutes. yeah um really solid 90 minute movie but somehow felt like it
0: took forever to watch it definitely felt yeah for a like you said a 90 minute runtime it felt more at least like a two-hour movie i couldn't agree more like i don't know if that was just pacing was a little slower um it also doesn't help that we just watched predator which i said literally just flies when you watch it because you like go from one scene to the next and the last half hour of that movie is arnold fighting a giant alien so it really does just kind of fly by when you watch that so yeah a little a little more slowed subdued movie this time around um yeah really interested to see what your thoughts were i know you're gonna love that we had opening credits to start a movie oh, jim like your favorite God. fucking thing ever <laughs> i i'm just a whiny little brat
1: but fucking opening credits need to go die in a hole you know <laughs> for real I I was so salty, and it's like, they're trying to be fancy and set the mood, and
0: it's fucking stupid. It's unfortunate, because that's the only vibe I got. It's like, oh, we're being so artsy, and we're showing you, like, people in this, like... I got real, like... This is not a horror movie by any means, but it gave me, like, that hereditary vibe where it was, like, it oh, looks yeah. like you were in, like, her little houses that she constructs, and it's just, like, going from room to room as it's panning, and you're, like, seeing characters and no one's saying anything. Like, I don't know. Well, and it just reveals all the credits and actors, and it just took, like, it was probably, like, five minutes, and it felt like it was an eternity. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just not... Maybe I'm an uncultured swine, and I don't appreciate, you know the simple things of art craft movies but i don't know whatever i, don't I know, agree that. it I was agree a goofy ass point. movie yeah, but we sure. we do start with
1: like you said panning around this lighthouse that what we come to find out the bishop family lives in uh the two parents are lawyers and they have three little boys and a 12 year old daughter whose name is played by cara hayward um The boys are sitting around listening to a record, and the girl is sitting in a windowsill. Susie is sitting in a windowsill reading a book. Um, Susie goes out to check the mail, um, and she has a letter there for her. So she sits in a little hut, like school bus pickup, and very intensely reads her
0: mail and puts it in a box that says (laughs) private on it. Yeah, I don't know. Not much like i said up to this point i think there's zero dialogue but at least we kind of get the feeling that Susie is probably the main character of this family right I'll, i'll give you that so now we get break in from a narrator who is literally a
1: character in the movie just called narrator played by bob balaban uh and they are on a new england island called new penzance um there's it's the year is nineteen sixty five and in three days there's gonna be a major storm on September fifth, nineteen sixty five. Um, a float plane brings in mail, there's no paved roads, just on the nose, setting the scene. I didn't like it. I like Bob Balaban, I think he was great, but yeah. I thought it was a
0: waste of using him. Shout out to Bob Balaban, his second, you know, installment on the We've Seen That podcast. Monument's right. Men original. But yeah i mean yeah, this, and that was
1: a, not a very good movie so
0: <laughs> yeah. I wish you would be in something that was really great that that we that we really enjoyed yeah um yeah i I don't know like i guess the one thing they do um it comes up more towards the end of the movie specifically, but here we i think we might get introduced to like that map that they show up on the screen that kind of lays out where everything is i thought that was a kind of a neat little touch actually when they showed like at least where the characters were going because it kind of helps you just get like a firm grasp of like that everything takes place on like this one or two islands i guess i don't know yeah
1: and truly the distance that sam and Susie end up traversing will be introduced to sam relatively shortly here yep um so now we flash to Camp Ivanhoe. This is a khaki scout camp. Yes, khaki as in like your pants. Um, so th- there's a kid that plays taps and Scoutmaster Ward, played by Ed Norton, uh, comes out smoking a, sh- a cigarette and walking through camp. Um, there are other kids building a treehouse 50 foot up on this one stick tree that does not look <laughs> like a uh, uh, very secure he says that's not a safe altitude someone falls from that high up it's a guaranteed
0: death well where would you have built it and he just says lower lower <laughs> i thought that was <laughs> kind of funny i love ed norton so to see him in like a movie like this is a little bit of like a treat you know and he just plays like some quirky camp you know instructor uh of the boys, i think he was really good in this yeah honestly. of the boys um I'm sure we probably won't, unfortunately, get into much of the characters' names. I know there's, like, Lazy Eye, a guy wears a patch. Um, The guy that ends up being, like, the main antagonist, like, some redhead. Uh He's the only actor I kind of recognize as these young kids. His name's Lucas Hedges. I've seen him in one other movie, specifically uh, Manchester by the Sea, which is a terribly depressing film, by the way. <laughs> it's very good, but that's also able to stream on Amazon Prime if anybody wants to you know be have their soul soul ripped out of them for an hour and 45 minutes but a great for a rainy day to watch yeah it's a it is a great movie um but yeah that's the only other kid i recognize specifically to be honest so a lot of like no name you know young actors at least at this yeah
1: especially in terms of the kids right? right um so uh scoutmaster ward calls all the boys out for breakfast at a big long table it looks like the last supper because they're all sitting on one side uh, which seems to be more so for um, them being able to shoot it than anything sort of symbolic or anything. Yeah, but just Sam well, Shikuski doesn't show up. Right,
0: and I just wanted want one plug too. Like you mentioned, like typical, you can tell it's Wes Anderson. A lot of center framing shots. You know, like even when you talked about the treehouse, like that was like right in the middle, and it just looks so awkward being like the one tree with like a giant house built at the top of like a one-stemmed you know tree, like. He, I think it's safe to say, maybe I'm just noticing it in this movie a little too much, but he likes to do a lot of still shots and like a lot of the action going around like in the middle and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that's kind of his M.O. maybe. But Right. So eventually,
1: Scoutmaster Ward goes to investigate Sam's tent. He's looking around. Sam's not in the tent. Pulls a map off the wall of a tent, and there's a hole cut in the side. Because you couldn't just re-zip up your tent on your way out so he cuts a hole in the side and uh jiminy cricket he flew the coop yeah Ward a says. like
0: uh what god um shawshank a little shawshank escape through the you know holds up the poster where he escaped from you know like the shawshank mm-hmm. redemption um yeah just like quirky like they have to, like, elaborately unzip the tent because it's zipped up from the inside. Like, it's a tiny little tent. You couldn't just, like, lift it up, which we, like, see later on in the movie spoilers. Like, it's like they have established, like, if things are done a certain way, you know, like, it can't be intruded on. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Right. So then we flash
1: down to a dock where the police station is. Uh, the island police are sitting there fishing. And Captain Sharp, played by Bruce Willis, answers the phone. Uh, Scoutmaster Ward is saying that a khaki scat- scout has escaped. He stole a mini canoe, fishing supplies, a bedroll, and a cup and an air rifle, I believe, and left a letter of res- resignation.
0: <laughs> it's just funny play on words here. Yeah, so this is where then he, Captain Sharp, calls the foster parents or what they assumed were yeah his the billing the they are foster parents though yeah but they did not know that i guess so they call him and they're like hey you know your like son is missing and they're just like eh we'll we'll not be accepting his return or something and just yeah like, we so, can't invite him back to the house <laughs> so matter of fact about it too and like captain sharp you know is visibly like confused he's like asks them if like he'd be speaking to the father and they're like well no we're foster parents and then it's revealed that sam's parents are actually dead so yeah right so it's at this point
1: that scoutmaster ward returns to camp and assembles a uh a search party some of the scouts are questioning scoutmaster ward for whatever reason and you come to find out that he's an eighth grade math teacher um And the other scouts ask that if they find um, Sam and he resists, can they use force? (laughs) And (laughs) Scoutmaster Ward has to very much so say, no, you cannot hurt
0: him. Right. Like another just instance of everyone taking everything a little too literally. Um, But that's just the tone of the movie. So I won't, you know, fault it for that.
1: Right. So at this point, we get a quick montage of everyone searching. All of the scouts have weapons like axes and sticks with nails in them. (laughs) um uh captain sharp is going house to house with a picture of the kid and finally gets out to the bishop's house where mr bishop named uh played by bill murray says there's no way he had gotten out to their house it would have taken at least three days to get that far um but his wife disagrees and says it's only two they're both lawyers so they seem to always argue with each other
0: right yeah i think it's later on in the movie we probably won't you know touch on it too much we get like a funny scene where they're arguing like in bed and they're just like quoting like famous or like cases like right you know mcdonald versus johnson you know in their arguments there's just like a little (laughs) funny little back and forth
1: (laughs) right so now they live in a lighthouse and from up top suzy is watching captain shark sharp i'm gonna call him captain shark i know it um (laughs) He he is stopped for a smoke way out far from their lighthouse she's using binoculars and sees her mom stop and share a cigarette with him quickly
0: yeah so a little extra curricular activity i think going on with the captain although we never even see them show any like physical like affection towards each other they just kind of share a cigarette and like you know hold each other's hand for a little bit but it, i guess it's implied that she must be cheating on her husband with with him yeah
1: yeah and they put a pretty fine point on it later in the movie at this point we get to finally actually see sam on screen he's in a life jacket paddling his mini canoe down a river um he eventually pulls it up on shore covers it in leaves and branches and goes to meet susie in a meadow
0: yeah a giant open field and she's looking at him with her magical binoculars
1: Right, even though he's like fifty feet away, she's yeah. staring at him. Um, she's got her bags packed and she's ready to roll. Um, Sam is smoking a fucking corn cob pipe.
0: He, I, as much as you don't like, well, I'm not gonna be that hard on you, Jim. But you don't like, you're not convinced by child actors that often. I'll give, I'll say it that way. I'm not. Yeah, uh, I thought he was okay. He was funny at the right times. You know, he's a little quirky you know i I was entertained by him i guess yeah
1: he he was a little weird but i think that was the point i think that she was fucking phenomenal like i can't say enough about cara hayward in this role i thought she was awesome
0: yeah very like like quiet and does a lot of like facial acting yeah i'll agree like i thought she was she was perfect um i really haven't I think I might have recognized her in something else. She's older now, obviously. This movie came out in twenty twelve, like you said. But, um, God, I feel like there was something I had just seen like somewhat recently that. She... Oh, she was in the movie Us, but directed oh, by was Jordan she? Jordan Jordan Peele. Yeah, she. It's a smaller role. I think she plays like she plays like a... Nancy. Isn't that the chick that the guy was dating? Um. Well, maybe. Or no, in uh, not not get out. Jordan Peele's other movie, Us. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Don't I think she's got like a smaller role in that, where she plays like like these da- like the twin daughters of like this next door neighbor family of. The- uh, anyway, that's a that's I think what I recognize her from. So she's been in some bigger roles now as she gets older, but other yeah, than she- that, though, like nothing else. I'm looking at the uh,
1: her. Uh filmography here and she's got like a couple episodes of law and order manchester by the sea she apparently had a quick oh, role in oh my
0: god yeah, she is um yeah,
1: and she is in there. yeah a couple of other things but us is the biggest thing you know yeah. so she hasn't done too much so too much hollywood listen to me i want to oh, see more man.
0: of her hopefully yeah she was she was
1: very good in this movie so we get a flashback here to what we find out is when sam and susie originally meet uh at a church on the island call or on a nearby island called saint jack's church uh they're putting on a play or musical called noise fud i might be uh pronouncing that completely wrong maybe it's latin or some shit but i have no idea right um they're acting out uh noah being on the ark sam is watching the show with his troop and gets up and walks out of the show he goes and wanders through the cast area um, where all the little kids are dressed as animals who are going to be on the ark um, susie is a raven and he goes into the girl's dressing room and one of the other girls says boys aren't allowed in here um she Su- he sees that susie has a cut on her hand and she says i got hit in the mirror i lost my temper at myself so she apparently punched a mirror and cut herself right just a um, nice
0: little play on words though <laughs> yeah
1: So Susie ends up getting a note to Sam as he's on a bus uh, leaving the show. Uh, It says, uh, just write to me this summer. So write her letters.
0: Yeah, so we kind of see, this was like, I think it popped up a year, like almost a year prior, exactly. Yeah, it was one year earlier. To when they had um, now met up to kind of run away from home, I suppose. So yeah, we get this like, just odd interaction between them like you stated and i think it just kind of hammers down the fact that um sam is somewhat of a loner and maybe um Susie as well uh because he kind of just like yeah bails on his scout his four other scouts and just leaves the show and goes backstage and yeah it's evident that like nobody really likes him for no reason essentially he's just a little weird which It comes full circle, I guess, in the end. But um, yeah, yeah, this kind of just helps you get that sense of what's going on.
1: Yeah, so here we get a big montage of them getting to their first campsite. Um, He asks if she was followed, and she says she doubts it. Uh, Later on, he says that she smells like perfume. She says (laughs) it's her mother's. Uh, They climb a cliff and hoist up their luggage. They cross a river and use a rope bridge to get their luggage shimmied across um eventually they finally make it to camp this really this goes on for quite a while i seem to remember this montage and it doesn't really do anything other than cementing the fact that sam seems to be a pretty good scout and can make his way through the woods
0: yeah that's basically what i got because he's you know is this the first camp where he they're like on top of a rock where he sets up the dinner or is this the one by the beach then we're, we're at now
1: this is the one on the rock, I believe. They okay. Once they arrive, they set up camp and they go fishing. Um, he scoops a turtle out of the water and says, Watch out for turtles. They'll bite off your finger if you stick your finger down their mouth. <sighs> she then gets a fish on the line and he just fucking chucks the turtle back in the lake.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he, and he, in the matter of an instant, fries up a fish, flays it up for her and feeds it to her. She says it's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty handy, you know. He... Obviously was paying attention at khaki scout camp, that's for sure. Right, right. <laughs> and he then says, Maybe your cat, who she
1: brought her cat, uh, will eat the guts and eyeballs of the fish. And she says he only eats kitten food.
0: God. Oh. Uh, which this was a nice little scene. I think now she he's kind of questioning her, doesn't she have like 3 books and the library only allows you to like check out one or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're
1: library books. Um they're going through like inventory of what they brought. Right. So she brought these books. She likes uh girl heroes but not always and where they have special powers. She brought her lucky left-handed scissors, extra batteries, a toothbrush, um and her brother's record player. And that's when they get into the library books um and sh- they are this is where it gets a little bit intense after being relatively whimsical for a while. uh, She pulls out a pamphlet that she has that was on her parents' fridge and it says, Coping with a Troubled Child. Um, He laughs at this and then she gets salty and storms off crying to their tent.
0: Right, because, pardon me, but at least up until this point, you know, other than maybe seeing that she lost her temper and punched um, her mirror, we don't really get... You know, the vibe that maybe she's also kind of an outcast too, or at least in her parents' eyes. And this is like the first time like, where you're like, oh shit, she's kind of like in the same boat as him a little bit.
1: Right. So he he then apologizes and says he's on her side. She dries her eyes and re- starts reading him a book by their fire. He fucking zonks out and then <laughs> uh,
0: she just keeps reading. Yeah, pulls the, pulls the little smoking pipe out of his mouth and ashes his... Yeah, (laughs) in the fire like sets it down yeah he i don't know it was it was a nice little scene but like you said it kind of this whole it is like a 10-15 minute stretch where it is just them you know on their little journey which i guess you know it's it's fine you know but there's just not much to really go over other than you know what happened this has
1: been the majority of the run time of the movie yeah but you know there's not much here like i take an overabundance of notes um just so that i can keep better track and i'm on page 5 out of 13 only and i think we're probably halfway if not more through the movie at this point
0: right because i think now is this when they are moving along and she they eventually spot some of the other scouts they will in a minute. First, okay. the Bishops
1: realize that she's missing. They use a megaphone to call their kids down for dinner. And Susie doesn't come, obviously. Uh, Mrs. Bishop asks, Mr. Bishop says, doesn't it concern you that your daughters run away from home? And his response is, that's a loaded question.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, he did, they don't seem like, I don't know. They seem concerned um, at certain points. But yeah, like, I don't know. The the captain always seems very confused at everyone's response <laughs> as to what's, like, going on. <laughs> well, because no one's acting as a normal person in this yeah.
1: movie, you know? I so know. he doesn't know what the deal is. They flash to outside the house. Sharp is sitting there in the dark in his turned-off car. Bill Mert or Mr. Bishop, is like, why are you here? And then Mrs. Bishop shouts out, Susie's missing,
0: too. Go find her. Yeah, I know. It's like... You know, Bill Murray's character is asking, like, the right question. Like, why are you here? And I think he asks, um, the captain asks him how his wife's doing. He's like, why does that matter <laughs> or something? He's like, why are you asking about her? Like, Yeah, yeah.
1: Because Mr. Bishop then goes to ride with Captain Sharp in the car looking for them. Yeah. Um, they pull back up at the house and Mrs. Bishop comes out with the box marked private. Um, and it's got all the letters from Sam. They plan to run away together. And then apparently he does paintings he does watercolors, mostly landscapes, but a few nudes. <laughs> like... And Bill Murray then asks if Susie sat for these nude paintings, and it's like, are, are we...
0: These kids are fucking 12. Yes, I know. And it's like, just thrown out there so nonchalantly, but like, yeah, we never get an answer as to like, what kind of nude watercolor painting Sam was sending her, but
1: yeah. It's yeah, call amazing. me a fucking fogey, but... 12-year-olds shouldn't be thinking about doing nude paintings of anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. So this is when, yeah, they they lit, They find out that they went and met at the meadow. So I think that's where the search begins, correct? With, yeah. Like and very
1: shortly, they find their camp. The scouts see it from a distance as um, Susie sees from her binoculars. So Sam and Susie take off again. Yep. um eventually they get cornered by about 10 of the scouts including the ginger who seems to be head shithead right um they ask if he's gonna come peacefully or not um and sam says do not cross this stick and puts a stick out in front of him
0: it's like an inch in front of him too so what he's allowing him to like come with an arm's length away but no no closer though right i wrote down then everybody (laughs) squints at each other And the ginger kid
1: is on a motorcycle. Forgot to mention that because that makes sense. Um, And suddenly you flash to a scene where all the other scouts are running away over a hill. Susie stabbed the motorcycle scout, the ginger, with her scissors. And Sam had an air rifle. To be clear, he only had an air rifle. That was his only weapon. And suddenly you see that this camp dog, a schnauzer named Snoopy, has been shot in the neck with an arrow. And he's (laughs) dead
0: was it one of the kids it must have been one of the other kids one of the kids had a bow and arrow drawn but then like no one felt like it was weird i was a little confused on like who or how the dog got shot right and how unnecessary it was yeah it was because he's just laying there in the next scene yeah with an arrow in his neck like what the fuck
1: yeah later on they do reference it and I'll spoil it now, whatever. Uh, but Sam says that the ginger scout on the motorcycle is the one who got the dog killed. And I'm like, what the hell? This movie yeah. crossed a line when they killed,
0: killed the right. dog. I don't know if, like, the kid that was... Because there was one of the scouts with a bow and arrow, and I he must have just let an arrow fly. And the dog just accidentally got in the way when he ran up by the two of them, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming well, that's... Did we even know that the dog was there? We get the scene like when they're in the field that they're like giving him scent, I think, and stuff to go try to help okay. find him. But as far that as makes like, a little more sense. Then. As far as when they like roll up on him in the woods, there like, we don't, I don't think it. I saw him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I was a little just thrown off by that. Oh gosh! So Captain Sharp comes
1: and picks up all the scouts, and they're gonna take the the guy who's been stabbed with the lefty scissors to hmm. another island at an infirmary uh more on the road time with sam and Susie. uh sam is blaming the other scouts for the arrow in the dog's neck uh suzy asks was he a good dog and sam says who's to say but he didn't deserve to
0: die it's like quote of the movie who's yeah. to say <laughs> but he didn't deserve to die which is you know that's that's it's an accurate. honest yeah it's an honest response oh my gosh so <laughs> we're
1: and this is where things get really like frenetic like i have to say that i was pausing this movie every four to five minutes to like make sure i was getting my notes down and it... it it flashes between scenes and uh dialogue so
0: fast don't you get that feel too i'd say so yeah from when now from the time now until they get to yeah their like beach camp and then eventually you know what happens the next morning um yeah it's just like back and forth I think yeah
1: it's very weird but so now we're at a dock um the bishops are at the dock looking for susie and sharp is going to take the shots or the stabbed scout for help um bishop says stop you're not leaving this island our daughter has been abducted by one of these beige lunatics
0: <laughs> <laughs> beige lunatics that was like
1: that might have been my favorite quote of the movie right Mr. Sharp then proceeds to pull off a shoe
0: and throws it at (laughs) Scoutmaster Ward (laughs) it's just like back and forth is this when they um is it in this flashing we get the conversation with the social services lady no that's that's not even yet another like half an hour into the movie I think Jesus let's see it just goes to show you it's kind of all over the place you know
1: well, and this is when we finally get to where Sam and Susie have been trying to get to. They get to this tidal inlet. It's unnamed. It's like tidal inlet, 325, whatever. Um, they stand on rocks on opposite sides of the this like inlet and jump in the water and go swimming. Um, they do a lot of staring into each other's eyes. They set up <laughs> camp, leave the clothes they went swimming in on a line to dry. Um Susie is then posing in her underwear for Sam, and he is doing a watercolor painting. Um, they don't like the, the fact that the inlet doesn't have a name, so they decide they want to change it, but they can't come up with any ideas. Um, he, he then eventually gives her some jewelry, which is uh, bugs on fish hooks, and he asks, are her ears pierced? And they immediately cut to
0: him violently piercing her bleeding ears. With... Probably uncleaned fish hooks. Not very sanitary. (laughs) I. Oh my god! It's just like it's fucking weird. It's a lot of like bloated stuff. You know. I guess we're just supposed to. It's like a coming of age, and we're supposed to just you know assume that it's just two kids that have. I maybe not to this point. I mean, in a little bit here, we know that they kind of like each other. But as far as we can tell so far, you know i mean i guess yeah. the one girl told Susie back when he snuck up he's like he likes you so uh, you can assume they like each other but they haven't like shown it they're just kind of like two kids running away and just like exactly going on an adventure but it gets weird
1: <laughs> yeah it gets weird and it gets intense um yeah. so now they're sitting on a cliff overlooking this tidal inlet they have all kinds of flowers in their head in their hair excuse me um she explains that she likes her binoculars because it helps me see things far away even when they're not i pretend it's my secret power um and sam just off the cuff says i might wet the bed don't want you to be offended later on um but it might happen
0: (laughs) it's just like so straightforward the dialogue of this movie is is definitely like it's so matter of fact put it yeah like And the characters too just seem to match it with their reactions. Like they're definitely, you know, I know it's a made up thing, but like it definitely like they're in their own world and they don't seem to react like a normal person would, you know, in, in many of the situations.
1: Right. So it's at this point now they're back down on the beach and she says to him, sometimes I wish I was an orphan. Lots of my favorite characters are. Your lives are more special. Saying this to him, knowing that he's an orphan. she sa- he- Sam then says, I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. And she says, I love you too. And that's kind of the end of that scene. They don't explore it really at all. It's just set there right in front of you. Right, right. Um, so now they're on the beach. They have a record playing. And from, like you said, Wes Anderson seems to really like nice centered, you know, balanced shots. So the record Mm -hmm. player is in the center of the beach, and the shot is looking out over the water of this inlet. And they each, in their underwear, come in from the sides
0: um, and start oddly dancing. dancing. (laughs) Kind of like, right. uh, he's very much more, like, animated in his movements, like and she's more controlled yeah so i don't know if that's supposed to like reflect i guess maybe their personalities a little bit but it was kind of just like an odd quirky you know scene like no real connection between the two of them up until then they eventually
1: start dancing together right um he leans in and kisses her pulls back out and then spits off to the side She looks fucking offended as hell. And he just says, I had sand in my mouth. And she's like, oh, that makes sense. Right.
0: As one would, you know, if you went to kiss like your girlfriend and you just decided to turn and just hawk a loogie like right after. Like, uh. yeah. So
1: this scene is uncomfortable, intense, and in a word, off-putting. The scene continues and she asks if he can French kiss. And he says, I think so. Is there any secret to it? She just says, the tongues touch each other.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, two 12-year-olds discovering kissing for the first time, I mean, I guess that's kind of how it would go. Right. Maybe. So so they proceed to French each other. Um,
1: and I guess the best way to tackle this is to just give you the dialogue to quote it to you. Because I want to um, know if I
0: heard what I heard for sure.
1: Yeah, it was uncomfortable. I watched the <laughs> subtitle, so I got it down here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She says, it feels hard. (laughs) Uh, Sam responds with, do you mind? And then she says, I like it. And he tells her to tilt her head sideways and they make out some more. Um, She then says, you can touch my chest. I think they're going to grow more. And he puts his hands flat on her chest. And this entire scene made me wildly uncomfortable. These kids are supposed to be 12 years old. And I
0: actively hated it. I... I don't know I didn't know they could just put stuff like this in like a feature film. You know, I didn't think they'd I, or I didn't think this they seemed would to be pushing the envelope in my go mind. Go this far, which I don't know. And maybe like I said, it's it's a there different kind There was no kind nudity or no
1: explicit reference. No. It was all just innuendo or reference to things.
0: Right. And it's just too young actors kids you know doing things for the first time but like yeah as far as like seeing it actually on the big screen quote unquote you know i'm a little amazed that like yeah they just did it so blatantly i don't know
1: yeah and this movie's only pg-13 i recognize that there was nothing explicit about it but still mm,
0: yeah made me feel icky i just would like to know if like yeah if there was any sort of like I'll backlash cry. or anything do that but like probably not it's it is Wes Anderson he's known for like um you know like we talked about it like I said it's a different this is like the first kind of like truly Oscar like Beatty movie we've kind of watched I think you know to a degree so it's it's I don't know The it's gonna be a different vibe I think than what we've been used to
1: <laughs> yeah it certainly is it, it was an award show, you know, piece of bait. You know, they, they were looking for nominations. Right. Um, after this scene, they flash forward. It's now evening and they're laying down. Um, and she's reading a book and he's smoking his pipe again. They wake up the next morning and hear an airplane or a boat, some sort of machine. And suddenly Sharp, the bishops and Scoutmaster Ward are standing outside their tent they look out and then immediately zip it back up. <laughs> Mister yeah. Bishop runs up, grabs the two front poles of the tent, and lifts it off
0: over them because there's no floor to the tent. Apparently, this, um, is, this is like what I was like referring to like earlier when like you know the guy thought that since the tent was zipped up from the inside it was gonna be like that much harder to get into yeah. when you can reality just rip it off the ground and just throw it off to the side like. You know, I feel like the Mister Bishop character does things a little more like, you know, pragmatically, like you would expect. And everyone, like they thought, maybe just because they zipped it up, they wouldn't be able to get to him. You know, it's just funny. Exactly. But, yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. Um. So at this point, Mrs. Bishop grabs and drags Susie away and gives her her dress to put back on. Scoutmaster Ward gives a letter to Sam from his foster father that says that they can't invite him back. Um. Yeah and yeah it gets real sad here
0: for a moment because even though it's weird you're to some degree pulling for these kids right especially you know i don't want to say sam more than her because she definitely has grown up in a less than ideal you know household but at least she had a house and like parents yeah and a family and sam seems to have kind of bounced around here a little bit now that his foster parents won't even accept him back that's got to be pretty crushing
1: Yeah, especially because we we didn't mention it because it's kind of just randomly thrown in there. Uh, Him and Susie discussed at one point, and he believed that his foster parents were no longer upset with him and that he'd at some point be able to go home, and it seems as though that's not going to be the case.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, We're now on the boat. Everyone is boating away. Susie and company are all up on the deck with Captain Sharp, but scoutmaster ward and sam are underneath in the hold so to speak it's like a living space and uh, says he's sorry to sam and that he didn't know he wasn't he was an orphan um said that he would have given him a commendable like review of his campsite on the beach and gets upset because sam says he doesn't want to be a khaki scout anymore
0: all right i thought that was a really nice touching scene like again we we both agree Ed Norton was pretty good in this movie and he shows a lot of rain. Like I don't know how difficult it would be, you know, to portray like feelings like that, like especially towards like young child actors. But like I said, mm-hmm. you, the, you have to expect like the kid to react and hold up, you know, his end of the scene, which I thought Sam actually did a good or Well, Jared Gilman did a good job in this scene specifically. Um, yeah. Just nice giving him a little like reassurance that like, Hey, you know, as bad as things are or you know like i like to know like at least i'm proud of you for this and so i thought maybe this is where he's... i thought i don't want to like spoil anything but i thought like at this point i got the feeling like well maybe he'll sort of adopt, adopt him, him. Yeah. yeah
1: so and i guess i could have seen that as well but the biggest thing that they keep referencing is like that they didn't know he was an orphan so therefore they didn't treat him with kid gloves or whatever you know what right. i mean Whereas, right. like, these are all kids. They should all deserve to be recognized for things that they do well and things that they don't, you know, be reprimanded for. So, like, why now that they know he's an orphan, he gets treated differently, right. you know? That's true. However, also, he probably needs to be treated differently. So I guess, I don't know. I am i don't think this is necessarily 100% of a point in um, Scoutmaster Ward's favor. To some degree it is, but also, like, he should have been able to recognize that this kid was having issues and should have dealt with it anyways before yeah. he found out he was an orphan.
0: Right. Instead of just like labeling him like everybody else says, as just like a weird troubled kid, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So
1: once he's an orphan, then he gets, you know, the treatment he True. needs to, True. and by treatment, I mean just interaction with people that he needs. Right. Um. So from here, we go back to the telephone switchboard room, sharp, uh, Captain Sharp is playing Social Services, who's never given a name. She's just called Social Services.
0: Played and she's played Tilda. by Tilda Swinton. Another callback, you know, from uh God, well she was in the uh Snowpiercer, Snow wasn't Piercer. it? Snowpiercer, yep. Looks a lot different than she did in that movie. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> um so she's basically saying, well he
1: can't Sam can't go back to um the Billingsleys. Can someone provide care for the boy? until i pick him up the next day uh sharp says "Uh uh-huh and then she asks is that a yes and he just says "Uh uh-huh again
0: yeah like and then this takes like a complete 180 because it made me feel like he was trying to be difficult but yet it ends up being like obviously that she has plans for him that are less than ideal um
1: yeah if... they're gonna send him to a place called juvenile refuge which is an yeah. orphanage they flash up a newspaper clipping and it apparently holds like over 700 young boys
0: right who are who cannot now be like uh, eligible for like foster care like because yeah. they, they have too many they, they got kicked <sh-> out of the foster care yeah. system for
1: whatever reason right and eventually she reveals that sam will first need a psycholo- psych psychological evaluation. There you go. <laughs> Let me just spit that out. Um and if he if he can get in, then he'll go to the juvenile refuge. Otherwise he'll get shock therapy.
0: <sighs> oh, yeah. I don't know, is that that can't be a thing for In nineteen sixty five? Yeah well I maybe. Like
1: maybe. I don't know. Um but uh Captain Sharp and Scoutmaster Ward both fucking panic, right? Uh, social Services, who I eventually just uh, shortened shortened down to SS, yeah. um, says that there was an assault with scissors, and they both immediately shout that that was Susie and not Sam. Right. And she just uh, mouths off. Well, maybe she needs help too.
0: Right, but they but I can't do anything about her, so I have to do yeah with what I have. Yeah, that's not like my that. job. Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: Because uh. she apparently only deals with boys. I guess
0: it's funny. <sighs> like she was. Again, just, like, straight to the point, as matter of fact, as everybody else has been in the show. And, like, for the second time, we get, like, the scene where they're talking to someone on this, like, telephone where they're plugging in, like, all the stuff. It's kind of, like, a cool little thing that they must have had to do. Um, And it gets, like, that split screen where, like, for, like another like five seconds where you like i one half you have them talking to her on the other end but the screen is split right down the middle so you see both locations at the same time and they did that for all the phone calls that we should have mentioned earlier right it's just an it was kind of a cool little camera trick and it just like lingers there for a little bit there's like no dialogue after they both hang up but i don't know yeah Just an interesting like choice of like a way to shoot it that i thought was kind of cool
1: yeah, I definitely liked that, showing both sides at the same time 100%, because I feel like normally when you do phone calls in a movie, you only either focus completely on one person, and they don't even tell you the other part of the conversation. You're supposed to either figure it out, or you're specifically not supposed to know. But in this instance, you get all the information, and you get to watch both of them at the same time.
0: Right, and yeah, and reacting by the actors and stuff at the same time. Yeah, so I, I, I really enjoyed at least that part of it, when they had those phone conversations. I thought that was cool.
1: yeah. So from here, we flash back to the Bishop house. Mr. Bishop has a bottle of booze, takes an act, and says he's (laughs) going to be out back. He's got to find a
0: tree to chop down. Just, like, classic, just Bill Murray tone, too. He's just, like, Mm -hmm. you know, he looks like shit. He's got, like, uh, shirtless, and he's got about night pants on, it looks like. Yeah, exactly. And he just looks a little bit overweight and just kind of, you know... (laughs) done with life at this point i'm just gonna go chop down a tree <laughs> yeah funny. so at this point then uh mrs bishop is
1: giving suzy a bath um suzy says i hate you don't say hate why not i mean it uh, you think you mean it in this moment you're just trying to hurt me exactly i know what you do with that sad dumb policeman uh, Mrs. So, Bishop then says, he's not dumb, but I guess he is kind of sad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Referring to yes. Uh, Captain Sharp.
1: Right. Yeah. And she goes on to say that like, uh, Mrs. Bishop says she shouldn't have even identified it, you know, uh, or like, n- it, uh, accepted the fact that, you know, she was doing something with Captain Sharp that she shouldn't have been. Um, but that's kind of the end of the scene. At this point now, we flash over to Sharp's, like, trailer or, like, boathouse or something. And this is where Sam is staying because they've obviously been separated at this point. Right. Um, there's lots of really high-minded talk from Sam about love and, like, doing anything you need to do to get it. Um, Sharp says that he can't argue with any of Sam's arguments, but that he doesn't have to because he's an adult. And I was like, that's 100%, like really solid piece of dialogue liked that a lot
0: yeah even though he admits that um sam is probably a much smarter human being than him yep. but the yep. fact that he has age on his side is like you know trump is the all, winner yeah right so eventually
1: he uh sharp gives him a a hot dog and a piece of toast and then they split a beer
0: <laughs> and sam just drinking it out of the glass he just had milk in too i mean maybe yeah, that's some yeah. sort of secret combination is like beer and milk jim i don't know i'm not gonna try it seems risky <laughs> it does. <laughs> so sharp
1: then says what's your rush you've got your whole life in front of yourself sam just fires back did you ever love someone did you love someone ever um sharp says yes but she didn't love me and it seems as though he's referencing mrs bishop
0: perhaps like i was yeah i wasn't sure i was kind of interested to see what your take was on that like i don't know if it was someone that had left him before or if he is just referring to her because she's kind of like you know based on the dialogue that she just had with uh susie like is she kind of giving up on that now or something i don't know
1: yeah yeah and i i don't know like i said i i think it was her but it's not really ever said. Right. So you're right. It's it's ambiguous at best. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we flash to the treehouse. All the kids are up there. Um, they're talking about why Sam is weird. Um, they heard he's going to reform school, that they're taking a piece of his brain and sending him to a, an insane asylum. I like his girl. Another kid says, she's too scruffy for me. <laughs> um, so then not the ginger kid because he's off at the infirmary but another right. one of the quote-unquote main scouts slams his hands on a windowsill the windowsill then falls off of the treehouse <laughs> and he turns around and says we've been real shabby to sam and like how would you kids feel if um if uh you had been treated that way and so now they're all on sam's side
0: right because you know, it's like it's been implied, but like, there's really no reason for anybody to like not like him. And like nobody, you know, we've got hints too that people are just like, well, you know, we've seen like, why don't we like him? Well, I don't know, he's he's just weird, you know. No one really had a reason, other than like nobody else liked him. You know, it was just it was kind of finally they realized like they may have just been a little too hard and too quick to judge him. You know, right. So
1: now it's evening again and we get a scene of mrs bishop visiting uh captain sharp on the bench where they smoke cigarettes and do nothing else (laughs) um she says i have to do better for everybody and then uh captain sharp says except me and she says yes except you so she dumped him basically
0: yeah so then he's like leaving you know he's pretty sad um to which she kind of then in typical just toxic like relationship format like leads him on you know she's like let's be real we'll probably probably see you you tomorrow tomorrow yeah (laughs) and then he kind of just pulls away doesn't even say anything
1: yeah and it's also at this point that you see the khaki scouts sneaking out of like a cellar from their lighthouse uh with susie
0: yep so they have initiated the first step of their plan in breaking both of them yeah out of their houses
1: exactly and that's exactly what happens here is they then go to sharps they break him out um and they uh all get in canoes and start rowing to another island called uh saint jackwood our narrator busts back in and says that there's a floodplain that separates a low beach from the main town there Um, and the weather indicates the storm is brewing up, and they pull up uh, their canoes
0: on the beach behind him. Yeah. I don't know. It's just another narrator plug, you know, basically saying that a storm is, like, coming finally, because it's been probably almost three days, yeah, since what he said in the beginning.
1: Right. Get a weird exchange here in the bishop's house. They're sleeping in their own separate twin beds, Mr. and Mrs. Bishop. Um, and they're t- asking whether or not various legal proceedings were filed at work that day. Um, okay. Right. Uh, she apologizes to him, but he doesn't know what she's apologizing for. Um, and she says for whichever ones still hurt, like wounds that still hurt. Apparently and yeah. he says half of those were self-inflicted. I hope the roof flies off this house and I get sucked into space. You'll be better off without me. Uh, she says a... that he should stop feeling sorry for himself and says that the kid, they are all that their kids have and they need them. Right. And he says that's not enough.
0: <laughs> Jeez, Bill Murray. Like, if that's Well, he's saying
1: enough... that the two parents are not enough for the kids. And I actually liked this. Yeah. Because like they're recognize he's recognizing that he's not been a good enough father, even though we don't really see that much in the movie.
0: Right. They just, yeah, I guess his character is, is I don't want to say not important, but it's definitely, like, a much more smaller role to the overall, you know, main part of the story. But, like, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I guess this is a nice scene where you finally realize, like, that she might be trying to amend things, but he's kind of just, you know, been pushed almost too far or just, like, seems a little too depressed to even, you know worth saving at this point
1: yeah and you have to wonder if because he seems depressed whether or not that's part of what's making Susie depressed right um you know she she can see see what's going on
0: yeah and Susie doesn't really mention much of a relationship with her father you know because she leaves that note for her brother when she took and when they initially left and took his record players that i'll be i'll bring it back within 10 days or something um but she says don't tell mom and then like in parentheses or dad like (laughs) it's almost like he's just like an afterthought i don't know right so now they're camping on the scouts
1: Susie and sam are camping on a beach she's reading to all of them and they're all really enjoying it at the bishop house the younger brother goes into Susie's room and very ominously says where's my record player he opens the door, and a papier-mâché effigy
0: of Susie pops up, and he screams. Scares the shit out of him. I, that um, kind of caught me by surprise too, to be honest. I thought it was funny. Be, I thought there'd be something laying in the bed, um, for sure, like just like some sort of doll. But like the way it was like attached to the door handle or the light switch when she he flicked it on, it like sat up. Is kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so then, at
1: Camp Ivanhoe, Scoutmaster Ward comes out of his tent, rings the breakfast bell for the scouts, and. He's sitting at the table reading the newspaper and no one is coming out. <laughs> it's
0: all by himself so now.
1: So we flash over to this other island, St. Jack Wood Island, which is where uh, the scouts are headed anyways. Um, they're receiving a message at Fort Lebanon, which is another khaki scout fort, apparently, um, in Morse code. And they're making fun of Ward because now he's lost his entire troop.
0: Yeah. And I think it's here, one of the... um you know the scouts that we've been with the entire movie he has like a cousin or something in this group like an older cousin that is going to supposedly try to help them yeah his
1: name is he's cousin ben okay um played by jason j jesus i can't even talk there's too many s's in this movie jason schwartzman um and sam and Susie and sharpen yeah jesus christ it's like
0: (laughs) Uh, scout master (laughs) bishop
1: yeah yeah i yeah so i'm slurring all of my s's here (laughs) not because i'm shit-faced because we're recording at eight in the morning
0: (laughs) yeah on a sunday so yeah
1: um so at this point they meet up with ben and he says he's gonna get sam onto a crabbing ship uh it's not gonna be a great life but it's better than shock therapy
0: sam then says i want to bring my wife (laughs) yeah yeah I, to which he's, like, a little, it's like, I don't know, when did they get married? But at the same time, Well, they it's like, haven't yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he's just, like, referring to her as that. And it's just kind of, like, it's funny to see, like, kids have, like, an adult conversation, you know? Because that is something, like, in a different movie where, like, a guy would be trying to, like, flee, you know? But he's like, I need to bring my wife, you know, or, like, my family, too. So, But it's just funny to see 12-year-olds do it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, Jay... Um... Cousin Ben then says, well, the padre
1: is a way he caught the mumps, um, but I'm able to marry you. It won't hold up in court due to your guys' age, lack of license, and not getting parental consent, but the ritual is important moral weight to both of you. Don't enter into it lightly. So then he asks them, do you love each other? Are you ready? And they say yes very quickly before he then says, go over by that trampoline and talk it through before giving me another quick answer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and like we never hear what they say over that trampoline because there's like a kid bouncing on it too as soon as they walk over there. But I don't know. They probably just blow it off. Yeah,
1: it's a weird juxtaposition of like really adult themes to some degree here. Them discussing getting married without thinking it through really right it's like this kid is just
0: having a fucking ball on the trampoline you know <laughs> i know and yeah it's just funny to have like an older person telling them you know like things that is good advice you know but they don't seem to be too interested in that and they're just ready to go <laughs>
1: yeah so they flashed the little chapel tent Cousin Ben gives them a form and says, sign here, initial here, take the carbon copy, leave the Bible, let's go. And it's in and out in 30 seconds.
0: Yeah. And one thing I thought was funny, too, is, like, the kids want, like, they came up with, like, $79 in nickels to, like, help, you know, bribe the, the yeah that cousin. was cousin
1: ben's fee
0: yeah but then like during this wedding ceremony the one speaks up he's like i'm worried about their future can we give them the nickels <laughs> like <I laughs> <thought it was laughs> like, they, like you said it's just very like adult themes and like dialogue but like 12 year olds just kind of portraying it I, I don't know it's like at this point i can kind of get with that a little bit in like in scenes like this specifically yeah. i will just say that from here on out I
1: actually really, really enjoyed this movie. I wish all of it had been more like what we're talking about now. So they go down to a pier and Ben loads the two of them, Susie and Sam, into a little sailboat. They sail away and then immediately turn around and come back. Like They they leave the shot of the camera that Mm -hmm. stays on the dock. Yep. and then the boat just as soon as it leaves the scene the shot it immediately comes in pointing
0: the other direction <laughs> like because susie
1: the, left her binoculars in the fucking chapel tent
0: yeah and one of the boys like they're talking about like where they're gonna go with and one just pops up well it looks like they're coming back <laughs> <And> then, yeah <laughs> you just see the boat come back into the frame like into the dock yeah it's
1: right funny. so sam runs back to the chapel and then right across the, like, trail from the chapel is where the infirmary is, and Motorcycle Kid is standing there holding the binoculars. Yep. Um, Sam says, you killed your dog, you know. And uh, he says, Snoopy, it couldn't be helped. <laughs> and I'm just like, this kid's fucking cold-blooded.
0: Yes, and, like, once again,
1: little care for the poor hound dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they go on and, like basically this other kid says i'm not going to be your friend because nobody else is your friend why should i be your friend right um sam punches the kid a couple times takes the binoculars and now everybody is on the run alarm gets raised and all of the other um all the other scouts are giving chase
0: from this like new camp yeah that they've they've arrived at yeah
1: right yeah it's uh oh shit what was it the eleven yeah fort, fort lebanon. lebanon yeah um at this point you hear thunder in the distance as sam runs out into what is labeled the lightning field <laughs> um he grabs one of those little uh flags that they use to mark like where electrical wires are underground you know one of those yeah. shitty little flags hoists it in the air and proceeds to get struck by fucking
0: lightning to which there's little like damage done um but my biggest question here is like the last shot we got before he got struck was like him being chased by like all of the Fort Lebanon kids, I believe. Yeah, like a hundred kids. Right, and he gets struck by lightning, and then when he gets up, he's surrounded by his Susie other and he, his friends. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, "Wow, where the hell did they come from? I don't know."
1: Yeah, and why did the other scouts not run and grab him? I guess he did get struck by
0: lightning. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, maybe they. So had, then duck for cover or something. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that must have been it, right? But then in the distance he sees a fence, like a wooden fence with the pointy tips on top, and sees a ladder pushed up against it and tells all the other kids, Follow me, and they fucking take off <laughs> running and make it over the fence and hoist the uh ladder up behind
0: them. Yep. Yeah. So now they've outran the the Fort Lebanon scouts and they're kind of just continuing Now we don't really see them, like, where they kind of just continue running in some direction because they've given up on basically getting off on the boat.
1: Yeah, so at this point then we see a dam burst, like a wooden dam, and water comes rushing through, like, a a ditch or something, like a man-made ditch. This eventually comes through the camp. At some point, the ditch comes through the camp. But the, the main scoutmaster of Fort Lebanon has all of the scouts they're going to evacuate to the church where the play was that's the disaster shelter so he has them all stand out front of his tent while he's getting ready before they evacuate the ditch is in between the tent and then be- between the scouts and the tent so scoutmaster ward comes running up and uh another person says to the main scoutmaster of this fort did you remember your medicine so he goes back into his tent cuz he forgot it yes um at this point uh they're all standing in the rain as the water comes rushing rushing through the ditch um the water knocks over a totem pole that falls onto the command tent and sets off fireworks in the rain the tent (laughs) is on fire scoutmaster ward jumps across this 10 foot like ditch grabs the the other (laughs) scoutmaster and jumps back
0: with him on his back And then proceeds to lead the entire group of people, kids, running towards the church while still carrying the older um, Scoutmaster. (laughs) I I just, my god. Edward Norton's a fucking superhero. I guess so. He he is the Hulk, man.
1: That's a good point. He wasn't green, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, so now they're all up at the church, at St. Jack's Church. The stage is still set up from that play, even though it was a year ago, which confused me. I was like, wait a minute, so how long have they known each other? But having this discussion, I was reminded that we had the one year earlier right. Like title card. Um, the Sharps, Bishop, Bishops, and Randy all show up at once, and they're yelling for Susie and Sam. Uh, they're looking for volunteers as a uh, social services lady
0: shows up. I, one thing too um before they she showed up to the church that we just got like a quick scene intermissed amongst all the jumping around of her flying in during the storm right <laughs> and in the pilot just like it's just so funny because we her name in the movie is just social services people that's literally what they just call her so like he like they get a little bit of turbulence and he says something like hang on social services (laughs) like i just (laughs) thought it was just funny but anyway yeah she has now arrived at the church and it's getting a little tense yeah it so
1: everyone is fighting sharp is apparently responsible for uh sam's safety but social services heard that he got struck by lightning (laughs) um And Sharp is like, this is the first time hearing of it. But (laughs) apparently Scoutmaster Ward did know that he got struck by lightning.
0: I don't know. Even though he hadn't
1: yet arrived at the fort.
0: Right. So unless, like, one of the kids told him at Lebanon told him when he got there. Yeah, at some point, obviously off screen. Yeah. It was just a little, like, just thrown in there. And we're supposed to just roll with it, I guess.
1: Right. So at this point... The Bishops are like, hey, "Why don't we find Susie instead of Sam and uh, social services rounds on them? Are these the parents of the
0: stabber? <laughs> yes to which at like while all this is going on, we see like a group of kids. I wonder they all have the animal masks on. I wonder if, Jim, if this is like they do this play like every year. So if yeah it's, like okay, a... so if it's exactly a year later, a year later, maybe that's why all the stuff is still set up.
1: I don't know that could be. so yeah in the balcony up above where all this is happening you see kids in the animal costumes from the show um sharp makes eye contact with one of them and you see sam's coonskin cap on the railing there which he very quickly pulls down and behind the railing so it can't be seen so sharp knows where they are right um it's at this point that they bring out the kid who got stabbed and they're like well what's wrong with him or what happened because of the stabbing and the report says he may suffer i believe limited chronic kidney insufficiency
0: (laughs) so like a minor injury in the end i guess i don't know (laughs) but chronic kidney insufficiency sounds fucking terrible sounds
1: terrible right so I don't know. <laughs> At this point, he points up to the balcony and sees them. The power goes out, and then all of a sudden the kids disappear.
0: Right. Just the two, though, because they were yeah, all yeah, out there, right. the scouts, but um, the two in the middle, which turned out to be obviously Sam and Susie, have now disappeared from the balcony.
1: Yeah. At this point, Captain Sharp grabs one of the logs with nails in the end of it and says, nobody's going anywhere. Sam's not getting shock therapy. <laughs>
0: It's <laughs> just like finally somebody's like fighting for him because shock therapy just seems like a little extreme in my opinion <laughs> right so
1: at this point sam and Susie are climbing the bell tower of the church um and captain sharp is following he follows them out into the rain and from the bottom of the bell tower he radios out to social services just says social services can you read me Sam and Susie have reached the top and are shimmying around this very thin ledge and uh says that they might have to jump and then swim away because that's how much water there is there.
0: Right. Um, and they're not even certain. It was kind of just a nice little piece of dialogue. Like she, she says, well, if we jump and there's not enough, we'll break our necks anyway <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> on the fall. <laughs> or if there is, we'll swim away and like, It kind of flashes back to um, Sharp continuing to, like, climb up after him. And then it does, like, another flash, because she started, like, a countdown before that initial flash, but then it was, like, funny when they went back. She's like, all right, on three again. (laughs) Like, they had had counted down a bunch of times before actually trying to jump. This is kind of funny.
1: Right. And as Sharp is climbing up, he radios out to uh, social services, and it's clear that he's asking to foster Sam, because... uh, social services gets all uppity and she's like no you can't do it but then he asks the bishops their opinion and they start arguing that he should be given due consideration anyways right um back at the top of the tower uh sam and susie kiss and static shock between their lips um (laughs) they say let's jump (laughs) and
0: sharp stops them yeah and he's yeah this was a kind of like um a nice little scene he kind of shows them the radio and he they're listening to how he's offering to adopt him. Um to which he kind of looks to Susie for like approval, I guess. She's she's down with that. So Sharp's like, You wanna give it a shot, bud? So it's kind of a nice little comfort. That's a happy ending. Yeah.
1: At this point. Um suddenly lightning strikes the top of the bell tower. Sharp had tied a rope around his waist and to the bottom of the bell tower. So you eventually see him holding Sam's hand and Sam holding Susie's hand. And they're hanging off the side of the fucking church.
0: <laughs> it looks so ridiculous in the shot, too. Like, you could basically just see their outline in the back, like, because it's dark out. Right. You know? So, like, whenever there was any, like, light flash, you saw their, like, just bodies just, like, hanging there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then you get a flash to Camp Ivanhoe, where they're rebuilding the camp. And then a flash to the bishop's house. Susie and the boys are reading in that same room and listening to the record player. Uh, You get a flash, then you see Sam, who is dressed as like a little policeman, uh, painting a picture, right? So the parent, the Mr. and Mrs. Bishop shout up to them to come down for dinner. Sam jumps out the window, hangs from the windowsill, and they stare in each other's eyes. And he says, see you tomorrow.
0: Nice little Um, scene.
1: At this point, uh, she blows uh, Sam a kiss and goes down for dinner. The camera pans and looks down at uh, his canvas. And you assume he's painting the kids and Susie sitting in the window. Great. But in reality, it's the inlet that they camped at. And on dots on the beach, it says Moonrise Kingdom.
0: And there they plug the title of the movie into the I movie. I know, right? God, And that's the end, that of, end of the movie. Yeah. A kind of a nice you know a frantic you know second half of the movie for sure and it culminates in like a you know a, a nice little subdued like ending with them back in the same room kind of where it all started in that intro and sam is now i wonder he must have been allowed to be there because sharp picks him up so I'm assuming. I'm like,
1: thinking that he wasn't because he jumped out the window. Little...
0: Yeah, that's true. But then, what did? They, what they just notice the car parked out front. I don't know. It Who seems knows. as though he was parking out there often, anyways. That's true, <laughs> and nobody seemed to notice. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, like a lot of big, um, you know, themes in this movie that we have to rely on being portrayed by a bunch of twelve-year-olds. Um, and a lot of times we talked about there was some weird things for sure, but I thought it was just kind of like I don't know, like refreshing, but like kind of entertaining to see 12-year-olds answer these questions and also like be put in the situations um, and have that portrayed in a movie. Um, yeah, I don't there know. were a couple lines crossed, but also
1: I couldn't stop thinking about this movie after I was done watching it. And this this back end portion of it, I really enjoyed – even if it was kind of to one degree or another, like cut by numbers at one point that you knew someone was going to adopt Sam and that he would still end up being able to see Susie and so on. But like, I really liked the back half.
0: Yeah. It definitely, um, boosted my, you know, initial, I guess, reaction. I I thought it finished very well. And like I said, I'm a Wes Anderson. Like a lot is, like I said, I love, um, Grand Pudabest Hotel. If you watched, that movie now you'd see the same sort of like camera work and just like Mm -hmm. quirky dialogue and stuff you could tell like it's it's his own flavor on it um yeah i guess just kind of echoing i'll i'll start us off with the score uh i gave it a seven um i thought it was a good a good solid movie um some things may have been a little uncomfortable but it it, again it, it it in the end it fits what i think he was trying to do with the the point of this movie which is like young love and you know going along this journey with them and like the decisions and like things the trials they're put through and just how they come out in the end so yeah i thought it paid off pretty good or fairly well the back you know half of the movie was was definitely very entertaining so i gave it a seven
1: i came in at an eight and i thought
0: i was gonna be way higher than you yeah Um,
1: And like I said, this is mostly because I just couldn't stop thinking about the movie, uh, about how these kids seem to have better priorities than any of the adults, you know, how they seem to have more care for each other than anyone else had for them, and about how committed they are to each other, whether or not, like, in 10 years or whatever, if they would still be committed to each other. They're only 12. But I just liked the idealistic nature of the children in this movie, uh, uh, specifically Sam and Susie. The rest of them, for most part, were shitheads, Right. Uh, which I also was like, that's 100% how kids can be. So yeah, I, I really ended up enjoying it way more than I did when I was only halfway through, because the first half is not amazing. It's fine, but yeah. coming out of it, yeah, it definitely boosted my score in the back half.
0: It was different than any other, like, kid-led ensemble movie, you know, that I have really ever seen. Because we did, um, obviously, Stand By Me, which yeah. is driven major kids. entirely by the, the the child actors. And they. there's a lot of instances where they have to be adults or make adult sort of decisions along that line. But in the end, you think of them as just like, you know, it's just kids going on a, an adventure. You know, this had that but at the same time i couldn't stop thinking about like wow they seem like larger than life or like more in Mm -hmm. control of their situations than even any of the adult characters that that we said i think you said it perfectly too so yeah i thought it was it was definitely like a different kind of movie like i'm glad we decided to choose this because i would definitely watch this again i think i think i would too absolutely would be rewatchable all right, so that pretty much wraps up uh, this week's episode and Moonrise Kingdom. Again, if you guys haven't seen it, um, definitely one Jim and I both recommend uh, seven and eight. So that's a pretty it's a pretty good score average, I'd say, for a movie that neither of us had seen before too. So yeah, coming in completely cold, coming out with pretty good scores. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, coming up, uh, we are way ahead of the game than normal. Like we said last week, we kind of established a. A good three movie combo here next week will be Caddyshack, um, an instant classic, obviously. With golf season rolling up, Jim and Scott's bachelor oh, yeah. party, I think we'll be hitting the links too. So that'll be a good one to like tackle right before that. Um, that'll be fun, and, and allegedly a Scott return for that. So if that'll be a good one for him to come back for yeah, for sure. If you guys are sick of us, which I don't know why you would be, you know, Scott will oh, be back the best. to kind of you know. Bring a little more juice. Hopefully, he's got some good stories to tell. Like he usually does, you know. Maybe Cassie bought him another eighty-inch TV that he didn't notice for like three weeks or something, you know, <laughs> <Like> <laughs> the last time. Um, but then after that, we will be doing Mortal Kombat, the new one, which will be released. Gosh darn when, Jim, the twenty-third. So we'll be doing it that week, um, whenever that works out for us. And we'll be dropping that for you. Um, yeah, so some exciting old movies coupled with a brand new one. So it should be fun. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. I am uh, just holding my breath
1: for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I want it to be so good. And I know Caddyshack <laughs> is good. So yeah, I think that'll be a fun review.
0: It'll be a good um, a good one-two punch for sure. We'll hit you with the comedy and then some hopefully really gory Finisher moves. We can only hope. Um, right. Uh, but anyway, perfect. Jim, where can the good people of this godforsaken planet reach us?
1: You can follow us on Twitter at weave underscore scene underscore that. Like us on Facebook or email us at seen that podcast at gmail.com Again, that's s c e n e that
0: podcast at gmail.com Awesome. Well, as always, guys, thank you for listening to the We've Seen That podcast. I'm Anthony, and I'm Jim. And roll credits. <laughs> back.